Around 75% of the world's mining companies are based in Canada. In recent years, several of those companies have been featured in headlines for accusations of violating human rights standards and bypassing environmental regulations abroad. Both the climate crisis and global injustice more broadly are major talking points for Canada's upcoming federal election. But the mining industry still brings in around 5% of Canada's annual GDP, allowing it to wield significant power over Canadian legislators of all parties. But there are still some politicians who aren't afraid to speak up, including the Honorable John McKay, a Liberal MP who has spent over two decades advocating for corporate social responsibility and transparency regulations. Um, okay, so if you'd like to start just by um, giving a brief introduction, just um, talking about yourself, your role in Parliament. Well, uh, my name is uh, John A. I'm Parliament for Scarborough Guildwood. Um, and uh, I've uh, got eight elections under my belt. I'm now in the ninth, um, starting my 24th year in Parliament. And um, I've sponsored a number of private members' bills, but the one that I think you're most interested in is C-300, which was a glorious failure, um, but it has lived on and, um, uh, and largely kept alive by uh, people like yourself who feel that there should be some level of accountability in the, in the extractive industry. And, um, and it's ultimately resulted in um, the creation of a core Canadian Office of Respons for Responsible Enterprise. CORE is the Canadian Ombudsperson for Responsible Enterprise. The office receives and reviews allegations of Canadian companies committing human rights abuses abroad, and it's the first office of its kind internationally. I wanted to see what prompted this position to finally be created, and also what other legislative initiatives were proposed and refused in the years leading up to the creation of CORE. Um, but starting off a little more broadly, um, Canada is home to over half of the world's mining companies. Um, and they are private corporations, but what role do you think the Canadian government has to play in ensuring those companies are adhering to environmental and human rights standards when they're operating abroad? The core metric, in my opinion, should be, uh, would a Canadian company operating abroad be permitted to do uh, whatever it is as the issue in Canada? Um, and if the answer is no, uh, then that company should be held to account. Um, if the answer is yes, obviously we don't have a problem. Um, so specifically um, with those private members bills that you sponsored, um, so the there was a 2009 bill, um, on the, that's the C300 one you mentioned on respecting corporate accountability for mining, oil and gas companies in developing nations. And also um, the 2014 bill C474, which was the Transparency of Payments Made by Mining Oil and Gas Corporations to Foreign Governments Act. Uh, so what prompted you to sponsor these pieces of legislation and what did they entail? Well, uh, what private members' um, bills frequently signal is a discontent in the Canadian public of some kind or another. And there are ways in which uh, issues can be brought before um, before Parliament for debate. And what was um, surprising and ultimately pleasing about this, uh, both bills, was that they did get um, a lot of um, uptake on the part of uh, many members of the public, and I would say even international public, because um, Canadian mining companies are, as you rightly said, around the world. 
So um, it generated a lot more interest than ever I would have thought, um, certainly getting into it. Um, and, uh, and I was actually, in some respects, the ideal MP to, to put this forward because I'm not in any way, shape, or form dependent upon uh, the mining industry for anything. So the um, uh, so the the journey of C three hundred was kind of interesting in that it starts as a private member's bill in a minority parliament. Um, the then conservative government uh, quickly moved to uh, uh, create a, a councillor, an ombuds councillor, which was largely perceived as tooth, toothless and useless. Um, and we made it. Uh, off the floor of the house, into the committee, out of the committee, back onto the floor of the house, and we lost by six votes. And um, uh, and uh, frankly, we should have won because we'd counted the votes in advance, but we had a lot of people at serious washroom breaks just as we were about to uh, vote. <laughs> Amazing. So, uh, which uh, speaks to the power and influence of uh, a very, very first lobby campaign on the part of the industry. He died, but it had an afterlife, and the afterlife was uh, was kept alive by people like yourself and people, uh, citizens, and they were making it an election issue, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and um, and uh, the the Liberal Party in 2015 uh, made a commitment, and um, and uh, so surprise, surprise, they get elected and have to follow through on their commitments, and they have this pain in the rear end backbencher who keeps on bugging them about it, and. Um, and so I, uh, uh, so so to the credit of several ministers, um, uh, through a lot of, I would say, unnecessary deviations, uh, we ended up with the creation of the office and um, and uh, Sherry Meinhofer being the ombudsman. So that was three hundred. Uh, Four seventy four was actually on a Dodds Frank bill. Because um, a lot of the Canadian mine companies are uh, cross-listed on the New York Stock Exchange and the Canadian Stock Exchange. And so Dodds-Frank required uh, disclosure of any monies uh, or certain, uh, the certain threshold uh, monies given in order to be able to secure a concession. So you had to actually, with your filings, file that. Americans were requiring it, so uh, we could hardly have a situation where the Canadians could. Again, a glorious failure. Uh, all got soundly defeated in Parliament because at that point the Conservatives had a majority. McKay is referring to the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act, part of the U.S.'s legislative response to the 2008 financial crisis. It was passed in 2010 and established new agencies and structures that were charged with the oversight and regulation of several sectors of the financial system. And uh, now Canada has uh, an obligation to uh, disclose, um, but the United States doesn't because when Mr. Trump came along, um, he pulled that part of the Dodds-Frank bill. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. so <laughs> how crazy right. is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so there's now a, um, a, a legal obligation for Canadian companies to disclose. Uh, there's no similar obligation on the part of American companies to disclose. There we are. There's the cheap and cheerful history of those two bills. Sponsoring both of these pieces of legislation, McKay faced friction from all sides of the political spectrum, including from within his own party. I wanted to know why he felt compelled to keep fighting, especially in the face of the mining sector's massive lobbying capacity. 
Uh, so yeah. what is it about this issue for you, like corporate res social responsibility, regulating the private extractive sector that makes you want to continue championing it after so many years of pushback? Well, it, it just pisses me off to have major Canadian corporations um, not adhere to fundamental human rights uh, obligations and environmental standards. So don't give me all this crap about, oh, it'll make us uncompetitive and all this stuff. There are some things that no corporation should be participating in. The direct or indirect raping of women would be a good start. Uh, the direct or indirect uh, poisoning of people's water supply. That would also be a good start. And if that kind of behavior in, in a Canadian context, the executives of those corporations would be looking at jail time. So, um, so anyways, I, I guess uh, fundamentally, this is a moral issue. There have been several past instances of Canadian corporations committing human rights abuses abroad, including a recently settled lawsuit brought against Canadian company Nevson Resources, which, which was accused of benefiting from slavery, forced labor, torture, and crimes against humanity. Several allegations have also been brought against mining giant Barrick Gold for serious human rights violations committed in northern Tanzania. Toronto-based Yamana Gold has also faced allegations of water and air contamination near the Jacobina mine it operates in Brazil. Yeah, politically, it's, uh, it's not um, good politics uh, to be offside with your own party, uh, yeah, but it's not the first time and it won't be the last. Conservative government passed the Extractive Sector Transparency Measures Act. Um, did right. you find that to be any sort of progress in the right direction, or was it really just a super diluted version of what was initially drafted? It, it was a bit diluted, um, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the NGO community that followed this were, were delighted. <laughs> um, so... Um, and I have, you know, I maintain contact uh, with them, and um, they've uh, they've largely seen it as um, as positive and working. In a recent House of Commons meeting that took place this year, McKay exchanged dialogue with the Minister of Small Business, Export Promotion, and International Trade on the deficiencies of the core's powers to compel. About five months later, I wanted to see what he had to say about that criticism, and if anything has changed since. Uh, what I was taking objection to at the time was that um, <clears throat> the um, that the ombudsperson didn't have the power to compel uh, witnesses or documents, uh, or the production of documents, and uh, which in most instances is probably perfectly fine, um, uh, since they're trying to, uh, you know, they're largely a con consultative, uh, not a consultative, uh, conciliatory body. They're trying to. Uh, encourage companies to do the right thing and they have a few um, abilities to do to make it uh, make them do the right thing um, having said that um, it uh, you always have one company who refuses to come uh, cooperate or you have always have one bad actor and uh, the only thing a bad actor understands is when you put a two by four over his head. Um, and in this instance, a two by four would mean a two by four that uh, compels the production of documents or, or uh, um, whatever the ombudsperson needs. So I was a little disappointed that uh, the government uh, uh, didn't follow through with that, but 
One of McKay's original private member's bills, C-300, actually did contain such a provision. Mining companies in contravention of the standards outlined in the bill would lose support from Canadian trade commissions and embassies. I asked him if he still thinks that type of legislation is the way to ensure that mining companies abroad adhere to the human rights standards and practices outlined here in Canada. Well, I think that's ultimately where we're going. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and I think it's it's useful to have that as a um, as as an option. Um, I'd like to be persuaded by the um, uh, by the both the NGO community and the uh, ombudsperson that uh, she is deficient of authorities, and uh, in which case then we might we might follow through in some manner or another. So I wanted to end with a question that looks forward, not just because it's an election year, but also because current events like the wildfires, even here in Canada, and publications like the recent IPCC report, um, they're all making people more aware of the urgency of a lot of situations, a lot of injustices across the globe, uh, and potentially also making them understand that there is a pressing need to regulate these things, to regulate the extractivist um, companies abroad, especially those that are based in Canada. Uh, do you see any potential for the passage of corporate accountability legislation like those two bills that were defeated in the past um, to be passed in the future? I would say themes and variations, but uh, I would say that there's limitations on, on, um, uh, on um, legislative initiatives. And I think the other big initiative, and this is, this is what Mark Carney has been talking about, is that, that uh, uh, risky behavior by a corporation includes risk, risky behavior in human rights, risky behavior in, in environment, uh, risky behavior in social license, and that uh, that that is is becoming as important, if not more important, than than um, uh, the uh, audited financial statements. And I think that that's I think that's actually taking off. Uh, that um, it's it's not for nothing that um, Brookfield uh, Investments, which is a massive Canadian corporation with massive investments around the world, has hired Mark Carney to. Um, to make sure that when they consider an investment of multiple billions of dollars, that uh, the um, environmental and uh, social uh, and human rights risk is is uh, calculated into the law. That's that's nothing gets corporations' attention like access to money. If you cut off their access to money. My goodness, you'll think you you'll think this is the end of Western civilization. To Mark Carney, the UN Special Envoy on Climate Action and Finance, and the former Bank of Canada and Bank of England Governor. Brookfield Asset Management recently designated him as their head of transition investing toward a post-carbon world. Carney has made recent comments urging governments to increase government regulations on businesses to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and meet global climate goals. Do you think um, there's any sort of outcome to this election coming up that would make things easier or harder? Um, well, I think uh, uh, more or less all parties are on side. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, um, we, should be, um, we should be asking our uh, respective candidates where do they stand? Um, and it's a legitimate question.
Whether it's due to lobbying campaigns of large corporations, political motives, or just willful ignorance, many Canadian politicians take an out-of-sight, out-of-mind approach to the activities of Canadian mining companies abroad. But when those corporations are directly or indirectly contributing to human rights violations and environmental damages, as Mr. McKay put it, it's time to recognize this not as an Eritrean, Brazilian, or Tanzanian problem, but as a Canadian problem that needs Canadian recognition and Canadian solutions.